Hello, darlings. Welcome to A Court of Maladaptive Daydreamers, where we will be covering the entire Sarah J. Mass series, A Court of Thorns and Roses. My name is Jada Mack. And I'm Cheyenne. And we will be talking through all things from character development to smut that will make your mother blush. Warning, there may be strong language and triggering things throughout the series. Don't listen too loud for your co-workers to hear. Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of A Court of Thorns and Roses, Maldaptive Daydreamers podcast. I wanted to start this series because I absolutely was so floored by how amazing the character development just blossoms throughout this whole thing. And I really wanted to start a podcast to cover all of the books in this series including Frost and Starlight because a lot of podcasts are leaving that book out and I think there's some really important things that we should talk about in in them and we are covering chapters 1 through 10 today and we will probably try to keep up the 10 chapter episodes as we go along so just buckle up and if you're just starting to read this series stick with it because At the very end of A Court of Thorns and Roses, I was sold. And the second book, the the moment I finished it was the moment I wanted to pick it right back up. And I thought, there's no way any book in this series could be better than the second book. And actually, I finished the very last one. And it was my favorite one out of all of them, surprisingly. I've read this entire series. Cheyenne has not. And the next series that we do for SJM will be both of us reading it for the first time. And also, we will try to keep spoilers to a complete minimum. So, Cheyenne, if you do want to say anything, now's the time. Sorry. (laughs) Hello. My name is Cheyenne. Um... (laughs) it's okay (laughs) i feel like i'm in college all over again yeah that's okay just feel it what's your name and one fact about yourself yeah do that give me one fact about yourself go one fact about this is i have slight ptsd from being asked that question so much in college okay moving on (laughs) (laughs) that's fine (laughs) one fact about me is that i have three cats and i love them and one is named smeagol praline um, he is gray, and he's very soft. So that's my fact. Are you ready Favoritism. to get... Yes, I'm sorry. Are you ready to get started? Yes. Okay. In chapter one, we follow Feyre on her hunt, where she stumbles upon a deer deep in the snowy forest. Unfortunately, she isn't the only one. A large wolf was also on the hunt. His unnatural size led Feyre to b- the belief that he may be Fey. She notched her single priceless ash arrow with the iron head, a weapon known to be deadly to the Fey, and released. As the arrow pierced the wolf's side, he turned and looked at Pharaoh with a sense of awareness and surprise. As quickly as the first, Pharaoh launched a second arrow straight into the wolf's golden eye. He didn't dodge or fight back. Hmm. Why do you think that he didn't react? Because it seems odd that a wolf of that massive size and scale would just stand there. Now, I, I mean, I everything know. did happen really fast. Yeah, that's true. But typically, when you get shot, you don't just turn and look. You kind of 
react a little to I it. Like, ran I ran away. <laughs> I don't know. Ran away, ran <sighs> towards it. I mean, wolves by nature are a little more, you know, attack. Yeah, this was um, super weird. When I read this the first time, I was like, I don't really get it. This almost, to me, felt like... Is this a fate thing? Like, is this setting the pace for the rest of the book? What's... I don't know. I definitely did question that. Was she destined to do this? Was this something that was laid before her by whatever gods they have in Perithian? <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> Here you go. We're just going to let you kill this wolf on a silver platter. Sorry you're starving. Um, Have fun. You're such a badass for coming this far out into the woods. Like, that's kind of like... That did suck, though. <laughs> Whenever she killed, I was like, man... This is going to feed you a long time. And then she took yeah. the deer and I was just like, no, nah, I would have taken the extra three hours to drag that bad boy back. Yeah, I don't get that. Taunt it up, Star Wars style. It gets too cold, climb into its corpse, you Ew. know. Yeah, well, she says in the book, <laughs> the, the pelt of the creature warmed my body. So that's one cold ass person. To be like, mm, corpse time. Like, that's intense. <laughs> I think it's really not talked about how much suffering was going on for her to get to this point. And she's alone. To be honest, when I read this the first time, I thought something magical was going to happen. I don't know why. I was like, there's going to be some crazy transformation right here or... I don't know, but I didn't know, I didn't think it was going to go like this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, it definitely sets the pace for the book of what the fuck is going on. Okay? That's how I felt. <laughs> Moving on to chapter two, as Pharaoh returns home with the deer and the pelt of the large wolf, we are introduced a little more into the sense of fear that mortals have of the fairies. As Sarah describes the etched wards that line the entryway to the family's home, a small fleeting detail that sets a precedent. Chapter 2 gives us a look into the family, their dynamics, and their history. They don't seem bothered by the effort that Feyre had made to feed them, and it's described that no mention of the blood on me. I'd long since given up hope of them actually noticing whether I came back from the woods every evening, at least until they got hungry again. But then again, my mother hadn't made them swear anything when they, were, they stood beside her deathbed. This points to an obvious Cinderella-esque story where one sibling that is looked to as being the caregiver and all of the weight of taking care of the family falls onto Feyre's shoulders as we are given insight into the other family members' mindsets. This was a very interesting chapter for me to read because I was floored by the fact that nobody is lifting a finger to help our homegirl. Audacity of these siblings. I know. <laughs> I know. And literally, at one point, Feyre quotes in the book, Elaine just doesn't get it. It's me. I'm Elaine. <laughs> but like, are you kidding me? 
No one is getting up to help her. No one is barely starting a fire or oiling the knives or whatever they do back then. I was like, are you, this is terrible. (laughs) Oiling the knives, yes. And the thing is, I'm pretty sure that Feyre is the youngest of all of these sisters because Nesta's the oldest, Elaine is the middle, and Feyre is the youngest. This just seems... Yeah, it's almost the opposite (laughs) of um, the, like, stereotypical siblings trio. Yeah. It's usually the oldest one that's, like, tired of everyone's shit and is, like... (laughs) the one doing everything and then you've got like the youngest who's just like ha everything's great because i got the parents who knew what they were doing now and <laughs> i know not only is Farah carrying this guilt of her mom being like take care of your family when she's like dying why doesn't she tell that to her husband oh wait in the book it talks about how her husband has this broke ass leg because he has a bunch of debts because he made bad choices and they came into his house and beat his leg up and nesta even says in the book father would go and look for work if he wasn't so ashamed he carves little wood things and that's talked about briefly but other than that he won't do anything which maybe he can yeah, like <laughs> even even if he can't do anything. There is no reason why Ness and Elaine can't take his little wood carvings yeah. to the markets on like the weekends and you know when they have like their whole fancy market and set up a little shop. I don't get it. I think it's rude. And Nesta's mean. She's portrayed very hateful. Elaine is portrayed as very ditzy and spacey but still wanting to be beautiful. Whatever life they had really shaped them to be weenie hut juniors and i mean that in the way i'm saying it okay (laughs) 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 and i think that favor kind of explains to us that i just want to live a life with my dad taking care of my dad and painting and i want to marry off the two sisters so that they can be happy but (sighs) nesta does talk about her boyfriend in this chapter thomas Thomas, however, is is going to propose to her, right? And Feyre then points out that Nesta would only be a burden to his family because their family can't afford a dowry. So, oh, I yes, please take my daughter and have my two wooden carvings. Yeah, here, take this stick. I made it into the shape of a bird. Okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm done hating on him. I, I don't... can make their <laughs> wedding cake topper. <laughs> have fun do you yeah enjoy that's all i've got for you sorry it's just kind of honestly it's sad and i really feel for Feyre. i wish that this was not her reality but oh man it only gets more interesting from here so (laughs) in chapter three we take a trip into town with the three sisters here we are introduced to the acolytes of the children of the blessed a mostly hated group of individuals who believe in face supremacy. Sarah writes, <laughs> I'm sorry, two plump and pretty farmers' wives strolled past on their way to the market, arm in arm. As they neared the acolytes, their faces twisted with identical expressions of disgust. Fairy love and whore, one of them hurled at the young woman. 
We also meet a mercenary that purchased the wolf pelt from Feyre for much more than it was worth. She had previously had a deadly encounter with a fae that left her permanently scarred. I just would like to point out fairy loving whore was used in, <laughs> in this paragraph and that makes me giggle for some terrible reason. There's a lot of village drama going on. <laughs> this is uh, one of those places I'd like to be like, you know, a little fly on the wall, just kind of sit there. Watch, people watch. I'd like to people watch in this village. Do you think they like set up little WWE Smackdown mud ring things? Like, I feel like they do that for entertainment. That sounds probably correct to me. It's giving like country small town vibes that are kind of like not racist, but like fairy supremacy like there's there's some race things going on here it's kind of they, they hate the fae it's weird like i don't know it makes me feel some type of way and then this you got sexy, them fairy loving hippies coming into town like i imagine them saying this like this are you ready fairy loving whore that's exactly how I, that is exactly how they say it can I, yeah yeah i just want to go ahead and put that out there and then we have the sexy mercenary i imagine her to be like buff favor doesn't really give us a huge explanation on this mercenary i feel like she probably definitely looks up to her in a way you know because their village is talked about being very poor and not being able to afford an army right okay well you've got this woman who is by herself and probably badass buying pelts with all this sacks of money like what What's the qualifications for being a mercenary? I'm pretty sure you asked me that. And I was like, you know, definitely more than like 10 push-ups. I, <laughs> I feel... I, I feel like you have to probably be able to do more than 10 push-ups a day to become a mercenary. Yeah, you have to want to kill. Not like, like a psycho. You have to be prepared to kill. Not like Jeffrey Dahmer. You have to like be a warrior. Like, oh, you want to come into my village? It's over, man. But, like, then kill them and go drink your beer, mead, whatever, and just go on about your life. But I feel like, and we had briefly talked about this, I feel like the mercenary might there was recognize There a lot more it. to the mercenary yeah. than was given. That's what I'm saying. Because she's already dealt with a fae. She already has an injury from one of them, right? I wonder if she could sense that that pelt was fey you know yeah I, i'm gonna i'm gonna say probably mm -hmm. uh, especially considering the size of it i feel <laughs> yeah. like that probably would have been a pretty dead giveaway yeah absolutely like oh yeah do you want this wolf pelt and then proceeds to unravel like three times <laughs> the size of her body and then they don't even have like good shoes so it's like okay she doesn't do this often clearly this was, like, a big deal. This was a surprise. I don't want to say a surprise, but, you know. It doesn't really fit Feyre's, I don't know, not, I don't want to say aesthetic, but her credentials. Yeah, that, that felt good. Credentials, yes. That felt respectful. I didn't want to say anything, like, mean towards her. She's just trying her, <laughs> she's just trying her best. And you I feel like she'd come through the books and strangle you if you did. 
Yeah, I do too. She's not playing around. And also, Nesta and Elaine only came so they could get some money that Feyre gets off off of this. They weren't coming for fun. Like, they wanted stuff. They wanted to shop. And I would have turned around and said, oh, you want to shop? Well, maybe you should, like, get a job or cut that firewood and not complain a whole bunch. You know? Just a thought. Just a little thought. But... Nah. (laughs) That seems like too much work. But Feyre gets paid this big sack of money, okay? That's a lot of money for her. That's intense. And I wonder if the mercenary knew that it was Faye, right? Okay. Knew that it was Faye and then felt bad for her in a way and was like, dude... You're maybe... You just killed a fae. You're fucked. You might kind of die a little later or sometime in the future. And these hoes are clearly not going to lift a finger. So here's some money. Uh, I'm so sorry. Like... (laughs) (laughs) It was a pity payment. It It was... Yeah. uh... And she quotes something like, Something good was done by me, and now it's time to pay it forward, you know? Yeah. So it makes sense. Which almost implies that's like, oh, yeah, someone helped me with my fate drama. Good God. Let me help you with yours. (laughs) This village, it's it's got too many things going on. (laughs) Now, the final character we are introduced to is Farrah's little fling, Isaac Hell, who gives off Gel from, you know, Hunger Games vibes. Um good old reliable dude who's definitely friend-zoned by the dark brooding leading lady to drive the nail home as to how he was solely just fuck buddy material uh he had once offered to buy Feyre the iron protection bracelet but she refused because it had felt too personal too much like payment too permanent a reminder of whatever we were and weren't to each other as dusk falls and the family is all home gathered around the fire Quote, there was a roar that half deafened me, and my sister screamed as snow burst into the room and an enormous growling shape appeared in the doorway. During this chapter, chapter four, we get abruptly introduced to Tamlin, who has the form of a beast as large as a horse, and while his body was somewhat feline, his head was distinctly wolfish along with curled elk-like horns that protruded from his head. Feyre is afraid, but stands her ground against the creature. The sisters and her father do nothing to protect themselves or her. They just allow it to happen. Tamlin informs her by yelling abruptly that she is a murderer and she killed his friend, who we find out was the wolf. Feyre talks about how she isn't remorseful, for her actions with that being said the treaty rules state it states a life for a life and she goes with tamlin to live the rest of her days in perithian in the fey realm so i've got a lot of feelings about tamlin making his grand appearance I also... I've got a little less feelings about the grand appearance and more of what is his appearance. What the fuck is that? Guys, if anyone (laughs) is listening to this podcast, stop it and Google 
Tamlin in beast form will give you just a moment. We want you to enjoy this as soak much it, as we soak did. it all in. Really, truly, I love and then explain it. to me what he looks like because <laughs> no one can seem to agree on it. I do want to say this. I like Sarah J. Mo- J. Mass's Moxie. Okay, like this is a woman with Moxie. She pulled every animal that's slightly scary and said Tamlin. Let's make it a Tamlin. Like, the name Tamlin actually means independent. So... I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D. He's very independent. He is everything, all at once, all being alone. So, I don't know if that matters, but that's how I felt. Also... He just busts through the door, which I understand. He's upset about his friend being killed. That makes sense. And the Fae Treaty's all like, knock. yeah, a life for a life. Like, that's intense, but I understand. But also, what was he doing out there? So now we know that the wolf is or was a fairy, right? One of Tamlin's friends or people or whatever. So. Oh my god, I just had a realization. What? Do tell. So, we made the comment about, you know, how he like, he straight up just burst down the door. Yeah. What if he couldn't just come in because of the wards? <gasps> what if those wards weren't actually trash? And Dude. he had to break it to get in. You just made complete sense. That makes so much sense. Wow, it's kind of like, you know how vampires on the Vampire Diary had to like, may I come in? Exactly! It's like that. This is some Damon stuff right now. Okay. Okay, so, I don't know. I kind of found it (laughs) a little hot. That's gross, but maybe I'm unwell. It's fine. But you know what I didn't find hot? The fact that the dad, like, didn't do anything. Nobody did anything. And here's another thing. There was a fire right behind both of those sisters and guess what they didn't even like throw hot ash at him or anything they were just like wow we're just gonna let this play out bye sis have fun and then the dad is like i can get you gold but then does nothing nothing and then he's like go make a better life yes go make a better life for yourself like also because like Feyre kind of has this, like, oh, man, like, I'm going to go there and I'm going to suffer. Mm-hmm. Why is it that the dad's just, like, all gung-ho, willy-nilly, just, yeah, go with him? He's probably like, like he, oh, thank God. He, he, <laughs> Some of the suffering has this is massive fear. Yeah, if somebody has massive fear over these terrible Fae, why would you just accept that your daughter is being taken away? Maybe... Because he also found Tamlin a little hot. Mr. Murder Mittens was... That's why he couldn't stand up. He was hiding. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Wow. It's not even the broken leg that's the problem now. It's... (laughs) It's the third leg. And then... Oh, no. Please. He's too too old for that now. Stop. All right. Hang on. Hang on. on. Is there fanfic of the dad? I hope not, because he didn't do a lot to make me want me to be his friend. 
I don't know. I do think it's, I don't know if it's sweet that he's like, yeah, I go make a better life. I don't know. And her goodbyes with her family are really weird. And it's like really fast. And I know they're afraid, but I don't know. And also she doesn't, she just thinks that he looks like this forever. Like this is his form all the time. He knows, she knows that he's a fae, right? So she probably has some knowledge about the folklore. I'm sure that little gossipy village is like, ma'am, yeah, here's, here's the tea on the fae, you know? But the goodbye with Nesta was crazy. Elaine and her didn't really say anything. But Nesta is just on the floor staring up at her. And she turns around and she's like, don't marry Thomas because his father beats his mother. And poverty is much easier to cover than abuse. Can you imagine that being the last thing that you say to your sister? Like, not I love you, not bye. She's just like, don't get hit. has been so done with this family shit for so long. No wonder she went, come on, murder mittens, take me away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that feels like that's what I got out of this chapter. So, all right. Chapter 5 opens up with Feyre riding on a white horse, heading towards the rest of her life in the Fey realm. Feyre thinks of ways to run and get away while they ride into the night and continues to ask her captor questions. She feels a sensation and wakes up potentially a day or so later. Tamlin had used magic to make her sleep until they got to the spring court. She awakens and wonders how long she was asleep for. What, what Was this necessary, Mr. Oh, Murder Mittens? <laughs> oh, was this necessary, Mr. Murder Mittens? We have questions. It's never great to drug someone and or use magic to force them to sleep i feel like was it that yeah, but bad like, neither of us you know really understand this pain but i know a lot of fa- like parents out there could sympathize mm. with just wanting to be able to snap your fingers and get kids asleep for the next eight hours you've got a very fair point but fair is not a kid you did re- you have referred to uh, Tamlin as daddy to okay. uh, Lucian, so ooh, we're about to he get might to that. Well. Young. He, he's just, he's just dad. It's not daddy. It's dad. It's father right now. I'm scared. Forty-year-old white man with a beard gut wearing his I'm jean shorts <laughs> with his shirt tucked in and the Ew. New Balances. Ew. Father, I'm scared, but also. Feyre's not a kid, but she is a killer. So maybe that makes him just like want to be like, shut up, you killing hoe. I have She's to a take chihuahua. you. Okay, compared to him, bite. yes. Compared to him, yes. And also the power dynamic in her life was just completely flipped. She was in charge of everybody at that cottage. And now, guess who's in charge? Daddy Tamlin. Father Tamlin. You know, it probably awakens some things within her. That's what I thought. But that's why I was kind of like, hmm. I'm a sucker for like inconvenient romance does that make sense like you really shouldn't but like (laughs) dang if you did (laughs) and it makes me wonder like is this all like a power thing with tamlin like busting through the door granted he might have had to i really like that point you made busting through the door being like come on i own you now life for a life let's go get on my white steed and we're gonna go and then she's like um, Sir Murder Mitten, I have like question about who who you are and um 
what, where, what when, want? how, what, when, where, how scared little baby. And he's just like, shut up, snaps his finger and she's asleep. But I thought about this. What if he made her be quiet because she was either going to run off and get killed or they were hiding from something potentially. Something could have been around that could have gotten her and really hurt her. Like, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Like not being hunted, but maybe it's not wise to make a complete scene right now. Even though he just did, but they're out in the open now. Yeah, I'm just going to stick with he probably just didn't want to deal with their shit. Probably. You're right. Well, okay, fair enough. You know He's what? He's a simple man. Simple needs. Simple Quiet. man, simple needs. Come with me. Time to go home. New home. I'm father now. So, yeah, they're really just traveling here. But, okay. Chapter 6 begins as they stroll through the gates of the stunning spring court. The scenery here sparks Feyre's artistic side, which had previously been smothered by her struggle to survive. Tamlin shifts into his male form, an attractive blonde hunk with striking green eyes. Yay! We also get introduced to Lucian Vincera, a son of the High Lord of the Autumn Court. Tall, red-headed male with a golden eye and a large scar running down his cheek. Feyre makes a note of the mask that they wear. Lucian makes snide remarks, mourning the loss of his friend to that of the hands of a human woman little um <clears throat> sexist um <laughs> considering you know you, your friend lost to that alice fair's handmaid is summoned as fair is informed by tamlin that he is not a captor nor she a prisoner and that she may go where she pleases alice gives fair a warning that she is not safe past these gates Oh, mercy. So much happens in this chapter. <laughs> oh, first off, I would like to say, yay, Feyre realizes that Tamlin is not Mr. Murder Mittens all the time. So that boosts, Just you know, spicy mittens. that boosts company morale, I feel, a little bit, makes her feel like, well... That's not that bad, you know, and, and she remarks that, wow, he's handsome. That's nice. Okay, and then we meet Lucian. I am a Lucian fan. I was a fan from the very beginning. So you beginning. know Tamlin ain't so hunky. Okay, I like, I like redheaded people, okay? They're attractive. They're Red beautiful. Are they are, and the way they describe him is delicious. Also, I love his name. It's just, I don't mind the name tamlin but it just doesn't who okay what would you rather hear in a sexy voice tamlin or like lucian oh my god totally night and day but the dynamic here is definitely tamlin is in charge of lucian we're at the spring court lucian is away from him from his home we don't know why he's not telling us why he's not particularly kind to Feyre but he also lost his friend so I don't blame him for his remarks also I kind of imagine Lucian to look like James Jamie Fraser off of Outlander but a little bit more fairy-esque and I think that's why I, I liked fully him fully picture that guy from TikTok Oh, yeah. That one mm -hmm. dude? Yes. Hands down, 100%. Got the curly, long hair. Yes. I mean, yum. What? Yes. 
I just like its vibe, Yum. okay? Yes. I don't know why. I just like it. And, you know, they're also described as wearing those masks. He's wearing a fox mask and... I feel like that. he's foxy. I guess. What does that say about him? Does that tell us about his personal animal side? I don't know. I'm just interested. And I know Pharaoh was like, oh, are these like masks a trend or something? Because she doesn't know at this point anything about like what's going on. Why are they wearing them? You know, and this whole dynamic was very interesting. Pharaoh's artistic side is opened yay i'm so happy for that for her that means that she is at least capable of tapping into a more uh emotional side potentially within her i wouldn't be particularly like yeehaw if i just got taken away to some random court with these two men that are not super kind to me but I mean, also kind of hot. Like, you're going to sit down at a table with these obscenely hot fairy men. Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And Feyre and the food, you know, Tamlin is insinuating that, you know, Feyre should eat unless you wish to faint. Eat. He kind of demands her to eat. We love a man that demands you to eat, you know? Like, oh, you're going to pass out? Well... I really want you to eat. That's hot. That's good. That's good stuff. So, you know, it's a little rocky, but I like the way this feels. I like the way it felt. It was as good as it could have gone. You know what I mean? Chapter 7 begins with Feyre having bathed and put on a fresh pair of pants and a tunic. She is presented to Tamlin and Lucian once more for a meal. That Tamlin assures her isn't poisonous to humans. Lucian gives her a backhanded compliment, and when Feyre is asked about her wardrobe choice by Lucian, she simply says, I don't want to wear any dress, followed by Tamlin saying, it's easier to kill us in pants. <laughs> Feyre is served her meal by the High Lord of the Spring Court and is reminded that it is a huge honor. Tamlin gives Feyre compliments on how clean she looks leaving her wondering if that's the only thing worth complimenting her on. Tamlin and Lucian inform her that her family is taken care of financially. Feyre is also abruptly asked about her love life and if she is currently in love with anyone, with anyone from back home. The chapter ends by Feyre resting for the night, then waking up to meet Tamlin, who offers her a tour of the house where they speak of the masks and the sickness impending their magic. Okay. This chapter is a lot. There's a lot going on here, dude. <sighs> I feel like Tamlin is kind of trying to flirt with her a little bit, maybe. I mean, I feel like that's 100% where the um, the love life comment came from. He's filling up his his uh, his uh, opponents. That's bold. He's sizing up. You just took this girl away from her home. And you're like, do you love anyone? Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, Whoa, not anymore. Have you seen anybody? Not anymore. I'm just kidding. 
But I was like, wow, that's really, we're really reaching here. But you know what? Maybe he, maybe he doesn't know how to talk. Maybe that's the way that the Fae talk to each other. Their etiquette could be, could be completely different from that little hoe village we came from. Okay, so let's just keep that in mind. We'll see how this goes. They obviously dress completely different, eat way better, you know, and they all have like magic powers of some kind. So they're fancy. Okay, just fancy all around. And I feel like Feyre might be struggling with the power shift because when was the last time she wasn't in charge? When was the last time that food didn't come from her? That's a big thing. And now someone else is serving her food and not only that it's the high lord of the spring court serving you food with fancy meat sauce that's fancy this is fancy we're going places so that feels like we're getting somewhere i don't know where but somewhere <laughs> we're going places that i don't know where but we're, we're going places i'm confused confused a little but I'm excited that they're they're showing kindness to her I guess I want to say kindness they're concerned if she's gonna eat they're concerned you know about her health like they they brought home a stray puppy that they oh were prepared God, for I didn't think about it like that murder mittens is like come on little kitty meow meow let's go home like what <laughs> what's happening here's some fancy meat sauce um we keep our mittens away at dinner. Also, he knows that she kind of wants to kill him. So, can yeah. he read her mind? <laughs> her little human stench. Is it like protruding hatred and angst? I would be. But at least she finds out her family's financially stable now. That could probably help her rest a little bit better. But he also could have said that way before. Why are you just now saying this? But... He had his reasons. I'm just going to let him have his time, you know? But, um, and then we get to hear about the sickness and the mask. And he's very vague about it. He really doesn't tell us that much. So maybe it's something even more serious than he's letting on. And he doesn't want to stress her out. She just came to a new environment. So overall, this is more of a chapter filled with power struggles with Feyre and at least she finally eats something <laughs> chapter 8 is us looking inside Feyre's mind and her thoughts of still wanting to change her situation so that she can go back home to her family and fulfill the promise that she made to her mother she begins her plan by stealing a knife at dinner while having paranoid thoughts of things lurking in the shadows Tamlin makes a comment about her stealing the knife, asking, were you planning on killing me? Tamlin breaks the tension by telling Lucian that Feyre likes to hunt, and Lucian decides to take Feyre hunting with him. Conversations proceed, and Tamlin asks about her mother, to which Feyre tells him that she passed away when she was eight due to typhus. Feyre leaves dinner and plots to warm up to Lucian in hopes that he will pursue Tamlin to let her go home. Oh Another just gosh. random out of the way question. It's like, hey, so you got a boyfriend next day, you know, sitting there at the table. Hey, so uh, your mom. Also, are you are you going to kill me? Or like, do you just like knives? You know that meme where it's got the kid 
and he's running and it's like i've got a knife i don't know no (laughs) i don't know why i feel like that's favor and tamlin right now (laughs) (laughs) i was like "Mm, yeah okay this is interesting this is still developing interestingly um yeah i feel like tamlin is trying to make an effort to get to know her more okay like hey your family a little bit you know her mom that's something that he should know of if he's gonna get to know her so yeah that makes sense also does she really think that she's just gonna outrun these guys very edward cullen vibes here you think you can outrun me you think you can hide from me you know i don't know but Lucian's little comments are providing me with more and more evidence that he is hot and I am team for him. Their banter is great. Their banter mm-hmm. is great. And I don't know if I want her to be with Tamlin or Lucian at this point. I'm very like, hmm. Either way would be really interesting. Is this going to be a love triangle? I don't know. Like, I, that's what I was feeling. Ooh. Chapter 9 opens with Tamlin making another effort to see Feyre in the morning, claiming his work was postponed. Feyre is very reluctant to be near Tamlin. Feyre goes to find Lucian, and they go to the south side of the forest, while Lucian lets her know he is filling in for Andres, the Fae she killed. Lucian immediately lets her know he'd rather her be gone and that he simply can't help her get out of the treaty. Lucian speaks of wearing his fox mask to honor Tamlin's shape-shifting ability and being stuck in it ever since the masquerade that ended 49 years ago. They wrap up their honest conversation by Lucian revealing that he didn't do as he was told, which is why he has the scar with the golden eye. Feyre asks if the Fae must always tell the truth, and Lucian brings up catching a serial, a truth-telling immortal being that lurks in the woods. Then suddenly something is eyeing them, stalking towards them. Lucian tells Feyre not to look. I have feelings about this. I love that they're being honest with each other, at least, even if it isn't yeah. super... Oh my god, I love you so much. It's it's like, hey man, you're in this situation. We're going to be real. Yeah, like is this setting the tone for the rest of the relationship? Is this... I don't even... This is not flirting. I don't know why I reach for them to be together. I don't know. But it's nice for her to just have someone being upfront and honest. She didn't even have to ask. Like, hardly. She was like, nah, man. I can't even help you. Like, and then... Let's talk about this masquerade thing. He's also very aloof about it and doesn't really go into a lot of detail about his eye or the masquerade or the mask. But at least he's being honest. At least he's being truthful. Not a lot is said about why they had the masquerade. Why is it stuck on his face? How does he wash his face? I know they're fae. So, 
It probably doesn't matter and they're just clean all the time because they have magic. But do you know how annoying it would be to have a party mask on your face for the rest of your life? Maybe. You can never, like, you can never scream into your pillow. No. You can never scream. It would just be painful. It would be like wearing the COVID mask, but on your eyes. Oh, God, the acne. The, the mask knee. <gasps> Ew. I totally forgot about that for a second. Yuck. Awful. Triggered. Do they have that? No. Let's pretend they don't because I want to remember him as hot. Yeah, and we're also, act like they don't. I just want to point it's out. It's the Faye. Yeah. It's the Faye. They're perfect. But I just want to point out that I think they're probably really beautiful masks because whenever SJM is describing them, they're gold and intricate, detailed, and stunning. So I don't want to give the readers the impression that the masks are like paper thin and from the dollar store and like silly little mask knee <laughs> things. So like, I don't want to give you guys that perception. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I did think, I remember Googling, does Tamlin get his mask off? Don't Google that. Just stop and read the book. Just read it, okay? Get off of... This is a good moment for me to take a second and tell everyone, don't look up fan art. Don't look up fan art. Don't spoil it. Don't spoil anything. Just read it and have fun, okay? Ugh. Yeah, that's how I feel. Chapter 10 immediately throws us into a fear-loaded situation where Lucian is warning Feyre to not look in the direction of the creature. That if she does, it has control over her and becomes real. Lucian tells her that it's a creature that's not supposed to be here, but is in these lands due to the sickness. Feyre now has the idea planted that she can find the cereal and learn the truth. Can someone please fill me in more about this sickness? I need a handbook because why is this thing here? I have a lot of questions and they're not really answered in this chapter, but just gotta keep reading. You just have to keep reading. And I'm really interested in the cereal. Cereal? Cereal? I love cereal. It's delicious. I feel, <laughs> um, yeah, there's not a whole lot to this chapter except, um, she learns a bunch about a scary creature and then she finds out that she would love to find another scary creature because she doesn't have a lot of answers. But uh, thank you guys for tuning in to the first episode of A Court of Maldaptive Daydreamers. Please check us out on Instagram and send us all of your juicy theories. See you on the next episode where we will be continuing through chapter 20.